Come on in, good people. <laughs> Be quiet, girl. <laughs> all right, for those of you all who listen to this podcast, we're, uh, this is On the Mic with Mike. I am your host for this podcast, Mike, Instructor Mike. You can follow me on Facebook at Mike Brown. Look for the picture of the firearms instructor or go to Instructor Mike. Uh, and we're going to talk today. I'm also on Facebook Live. So uh, the podcast today and our talk today is going to be entitled The Lesson Not Learned from the Laquan McDonald Jason Van Dyke trial. I don't even want to call it the Laquan McDonald trial because Laquan really wasn't on trial, even though some components of the situation or the components of the situation were talked about. But uh, we're definitely going to talk about some things here. So those of you listening to the podcast, you're going to see a little bit of pause here because I'm waiting on a, a, a deal of followership from Facebook to kind of come on in. Uh, you said, why did I have to stream when you were about to watch Star Trek Discovery? I don't know. Uh, I just figured I just wanted to go ahead and talk about it. It may get a large number of people or not. I don't know. But uh, you said, am I really surprised, though? You know, I don't think surprised is uh, the, the words that I choose to describe what the verdict is. So for those of you all who are also listening on the podcast, we're talking about the verdict in the Van Dyke trial. Uh, Jason Van Dyke, former Chicago police officer, was charged uh, with first-degree murder with the lesser-included offense of second-degree murder and 16 counts of aggravated battery with a firearm. Aggravated battery with a firearm carries with he- uh, more heavier penalties, and so does first-degree murder. But second-degree murder, depending upon the mitigating circumstances, does not carry with it as heavier of a penalty as does uh, first-degree murder or aggravated battery with a firearm. So let's talk about it. Um, And for those of you all who are on Facebook, I'm going to address your comments a little bit later after I've gone ahead and talk about it. First of all, uh, yesterday, uh, Friday, January 18th, 2019, the sentencing phase of the Jason Van Dyke or the People of the State of Illinois versus Jason Van Dyke trial uh, was uh, commenced yesterday with Judge Gone uh, presiding over the case. And not only did we hear circumstances in aggravation, we heard circumstances in mitigation as it relates to uh, the offenses for which former police officer, Chicago police officer Jason Van Dyke was charged uh, and subsequently convicted. <laughs> he was convicted of the 16 counts of aggravated battery with a firearm and he was uh, convicted of the – well, thank you, Daniel. I appreciate that. Uh, he was also convicted of the uh, second-degree murder. And uh, we listened to the circumstances in aggravation and the circumstances in mitigation. Uh, We listened to a lot of appeals for sentencing. We listened to a lot of appeals uh, against harsh sentencing. And he was subsequently sentenced to 81 months in the Illinois Department of Corrections with with two years mandatory supervised release. And so you typically don't hear at a state trial uh, a sentence handed down 
in months. You typically hear of a sentence handed down in years. Uh, anything that is handed down in months is sentencing that typically has taken place at the county or state level where there's going to be some type of county jail time. Uh, because anything under 365 days is considered a misdemeanor. And anything 365 days or greater up to and including life and imprisonment or death would be classified as a felony. Uh, and so, uh, because it was, uh, 81 months, it was made to sound like it was a lot of time when in fact it wasn't, uh, it's actually 6.75 years, uh, because he was subsequently convicted of the, ch of the charge of second, second degree murder. Now, uh, people who don't understand the criminal justice system, and I'm giving a quarter, uh, kind of a preface of the actual message in this podcast. So I'm giving a preface about certain things about the, uh, criminal justice system that people don't understand understand. And I understand that people are emotional as right they should be because a person did lose their life in this uh, given situation that took place, by the way, in August of 2014. And it had a lot of implications that took place uh, behind that. A lot of careers were lost. Uh, people were elected to office. People even to this day are using the Jason Van Dyke Laquan McDonald issue to propel themselves to uh, some level of notoriety, uh, a stature, or public office, whatever the case may be. That having been said, um, when you look at the, uh, the the statements that were made by the prosecution and by the defense, uh, the defense attorney did make an argument that is true. One, we do have a one act, one crime uh, law that was established by the United States, strike that, that was established by the Illinois Supreme Court, that regardless of how many offenses a person is charged with or convicted of, that uh, there has to be one central uh, act, the main act, the major act, in essence, the ending thing that uh, the act resulted in that a person can be sentenced under. And so when you look at the uh, aggravated battery with a firearm, if Laquan McDonald did not die, then second degree murder nor first degree murder be on the table. And if in fact he was convicted of all 16 counts of aggravated battery with a firearm, then it is possible for there to have been some uh, some sentencing relative to the 16 charges that he was subsequently convicted of. But given that the end result of those aggravated batteries were uh, was the murder or the death murder of Laquan McDonald, then all of the all of the 16 counts of aggravated battery fold into the most serious thing that took place, which was the murder of Laquan McDonald having been uh, uh, having been found to have been motivated, at least in the court of law, uh, regardless of the court of public opinion, uh, by virtue of an excited utterance. It was not uh, started, in essence, by uh, Jason Van Dyke, but it did end with Jason Van Dyke. And those are some of the elements of second degree murder. That's why I am a huge proponent of getting in the doggone books and learning the law so you can understand. You don't have to accept. You don't have to like. Emotions has very little to do with understanding the law. That's what needs to be understood here. Uh, so I, while I don't feel that the sentence was appropriate, I do understand the sentence. That's, that's just two separate things. I don't feel that the sentence was appropriate, but I do understand the sentence. And so 
I am ever more cognizant or aware of the mood and the spirit and the intensity of, of, of naysayers or people who disagree with the sentence, I being one of them. And I read a lot of comments, you know, comments to the likes of, well, you know, um, the, the young man who shot and killed Hadiah Pendleton, you know, received 84 years uh, for that first degree. I think it was first or second degree murder. But Jason Van Dyke received uh, 88, 80, 81 months for the same crime, uh, which in essence, I think Hadiah was shot maybe one or two, possibly three times. Uh, Laquan McDonald was shot multiple times, of which 16 times those rounds struck him. You see what I'm saying? And so, you know, I, I definitely understand that. And, and people are of the opinion that the system is designed to protect those uh, who have some of the statements that I've been hearing, the complexion for the protection, things like that. I get what you're saying, Matt, not the same uh, type of crime uh, in essence. I think, I don't know, I have to look at it. I know Jason Van Dyke was charged with first degree. He was uh, found uh, not guilty of first degree. He was found guilty of second degree and then the subsequent aggravated battery with a firearm charges, whereas Hadiah Pendleton, I believe he was convicted of first degree murder. Uh, I would have to look at that to actually uh, verify that because I did, I know he was convicted of that, but I don't know which uh, category of murder he was. Con uh, the shooter of Hadiah Pendleton was convicted of. That having been said, the lesson that is not being talked about here, okay, you hear it often. You hear people talking about the system is not designed to protect black folks. And I'm just going to go on ahead and just shoot it out there. Okay. The system is not designed to protect black folks. It's designed to protect white folks. It's, it's designed to protect those in power. We hear a variety of, of different arguments, but the one thing that I am first degree. Okay. Thank you for that, Donna. Uh, the one thing that I am not hearing though, this is what I am not hearing from the naysayers. Okay. And, and not even the naysayers, but those who agree that the sentence was not enough. Again, I being one of those persons. What can we who feel we are or are in fact disenfranchised? What can we do? What should we do to avoid being in the hands of those who could usher us into the system? That's the one conversation that I do not hear. I don't hear that. You hear the conversation about, well, it shouldn't matter. Uh, Madison, hold on for a minute. It shouldn't matter what you wear. It shouldn't matter how you talk. It shouldn't matter who you hang around with. It shouldn't matter where you are, right? It shouldn't matter. If your friends are smoking weed and you don't, that's got nothing to do with you, right? It shouldn't matter if your friends are gangbanging and you're not. It shouldn't have anything to do with you, right? Wrong. The problem is, now I get it, Marion. We could talk about paying attention to the judges who you vote for. I get it. I totally get that, okay? I totally get that. But you could get all the right judges, you can get all the right politicians. You can get all the right police officers. And you will still have people who still make bad choices. And that's the part that is not 
being discussed. At what point in time do we focus on, yes, there are bad cops. Yes, there are bad judges. Yes, there are bad sentences. How in the hell do you have a person who shoots someone under the color of the law 16 times and you can see the, the bullet striking off the page. I get it. But let's look at the preceding actions. How do we not hold the drug dealer who gave Laquan the PCP responsible? Some of you all know people or you are watching yourself. You know you're harboring your cousin who's out there peddling that mess. But you don't want to say anything because in some way, shape, form, or fashion, you benefit from it. You don't want to sit here and talk about the fact that those people who are supposedly or were supposedly supporters of Laquan McDonald, did you support him when he was alive? We have the great uncle who was on the stand reading from Laquan's mouth as if, as if he was a clairvoyant who could speak on behalf of Laquan. Commendable in certain respects. But where's the response? And by the way, let me preface what I'm saying by saying this. You're talking to somebody who was not just a practitioner, right? Not just a practitioner, but someone who was falsely arrested by the police, me. And even in that, having been falsely arrested and been found not guilty, fighting my own case, even I have to admit the role that I played, be it small or middle or large, the role that I played, that had I made a better decision in certain respects that I could have avoided that situation which caused me to be arrested, right? See, it's easy to point the finger at someone else and blame someone else for the effect without looking at your role in the cause. That's because in our society, victim blaming is something that we don't like to do. We don't like to blame the victim in certain respects because it, if you think about it, the criminal justice system thrives off of victims. We need victims. And dare we not help the victim understand that in certain respects, there's a theory in criminology within the study of criminal justice called victim precipitation, the things that we do that makes it possible for us to be victims of certain kinds of crime. Because most young men that I know when being followed by the police would have ran from the police, especially if they've got the, the, the clear pathway to do so. Yet he had the, the lack of the presence of mind to be walking away slowly from the police. That doesn't signal a problem. His freedom of movement wasn't impeded until Jason Van Dyke and his partner got in front of him, at which point in time there was a. There was a confrontation where he was walking away and then there's a debate of whether he was walking to or walking from and then shots are fired. Now, here we go. Chanel says to be arrested. Were you at the wrong place at the wrong time? Nope, nope, not at all. Not at all. I made a choice. I made a choice 
to be involved or be with the person that I was with who I knew was heavily emotional and things got out of hand and I defended myself. I did what I thought was the right thing in the courts, felt that I did something that was not criminal and I shouldn't have been arrested for. Hence the reason why I was found not guilty. But guess what? You can still do everything right and still be arrested. And then when you're in the cell, then when you're awaiting trial, then when you're out on bond or even then when you're in the jail, when you're calm and not in your emotions, right? Not in your emotions. Then you sit here and you think, man, did I have to stand tall to that person? Did I have to prove a point to that person? Did I have to stand my ground? There is a saying sometimes that the coward lives to tell the tale of why the hero died. There's a lot of people out here playing hero in situations only to find themselves in bigger situations that had they just played coward because who am I proving myself to? Why can't I just walk away? Do I have to stand tall? Do I have to fight you? Do I have to prove myself? Do I have to defend my name? I had a situation just a couple of days ago where a young man wanted to his it was a business situation. It was a little customer management dispute and his his girl, his his uh, his lady. And granted, I got a classroom full of people and my assistants up front. Right. Here we go. She sits there. He's in the car. She opens the door and says, "Bay, come on in here. He's sitting here saying this, talking to me like I'm some kid and granted. I wasn't talking to her like a kid at all. I was very calm, very nice, had a classroom full of people, but she thought that my tone was condescending. Here we go. And so he got in here and he was mad. Who are you to talk to my wife like this or my girl like this? Who are you? Whatever she says, I'm going to go with. There are a lot of men doing time right now. Because someone else got them in their emotions and you didn't have the wherewithal to breathe because I understand why she's mad, but I'm going to breathe. I'm going to evaluate the situation to see if what she said is true. No, 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 because I took those vows <laughs> and I'm going to automatically believe that what she said is true. And then after I talked to him. And I said, that's what people want us to do. They want us to fight. They want us to live in our emotions. But, sir, I understand no disrespect to her, no disrespect to you. But a person can emotionally send you off on their mission instead of you having the brain to be able to think for yourself, to avoid that jail cell that you might find yourself into if you continue to operate under the influence of emotions. You must think. And so we have to control ourselves. That's the part of the lesson that I'm not getting. Granted, I am not saying that he had to be shot at all once, let alone 16 times. I think that what Jason Van Dyke did was wrong. I think that what his wife said was wrong. She sat there and said he was doing his job he was trained to do. No, we are not trained to do that as police officers. Graham versus Connor, Tennessee versus Gardner instructs us. You're talking about the disparity of force. You're talking about the reasonableness of force. And you're talking about a fleeing felon. You're talking about the difference between imminent death or great bodily harm and then a deadly threat. Was he a deadly threat? Yes. Was he imminent? 
No, he was walking away. He did not have to be shot. And the Chicago Police Department failed its members on that day by not providing them all the tools that they needed to stop Laquan. Did he need to be stopped? Yes, he did. Did he need to be shot? No, he did not. And some people can sit there and say, no, Mike, you weren't out there. You don't know. Shut up. Because that's part of the problem. I get it. We don't want people to Monday night quarterback these situations. But those of us who are or who have been in the profession, who have the subject matter expertise to be able to analyze the situation and say that was wrong, we can do that. That was wrong. That having been said, his sentence was not appropriate because if I, Mike Brown, former police officer, had been a police officer on that day, and if I would have done the same thing that Jason Van Dyke would have did, they would have given me the maximum sentence allowed by law. Please believe it. I would have gotten it. I would have gotten it. But that having been said, what do we do to avoid the hands of the police? You can sit there and say F the police all day. But the problem is, is this. You're never going to get away from them. Why? Because they have to be here. They have to patrol in our communities. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. See, you got a lot of people that comment about what to what they would have done if they would have been a police officer, but they don't have the courage to get out there and do it. So because you're not going to do it, someone has to. If you look at other communities, the police are more likely than not a reflection of that community. Look in the Hispanic community. You have a lot of Hispanic officers. Look in the Asian community. You have a lot of Asian officers. Look at the black community. You have a mixture of not only blacks, but whites and other races. Madison, turn that down. You have a mixture of other races. So until you decide to shut that up and become a part of the change, here we go. You're going to continue to have the same problems. Oh, my God, Mike, I wouldn't dare join the police department. What if Thurgood Marshall had that same idea and he didn't become a, an associate justice of the United States Supreme Court? In fact, the first black associate justice of the United States Supreme Court. What if he had that same type of mentality? But see, that's the thing. You want to complain about the problem and you want to think you know the solution when the solution is exactly what doctors do. Doctors can sit there and try to feel on top of the skin all day for things topical. But the problem is, is this sometimes. In fact, most of the time, most of your medical situations are not topical. They are internal. That's why doctors have needles. That's why they perform surgery. They infuse healing within the whole body to cause a holistic approach to changing the overall human. You got to go inside to change it all. And until then, until you, you think you can do a better job, go in the department and make that change. No one said you had to retire, but you need to get in there. For who knows, maybe if you were there, Jason Van Dyke wouldn't have even had to respond. Maybe he could have been on furlough that day. Maybe he could have been on leave. Maybe that could have been you in that 600, what, 642 Robert car. Maybe that could have been you. 
But no, you didn't sign up. You didn't join. So Jason had to work that night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jason had to work. All because, so I blame you. You didn't join, so I blame you, right? Because if you would have joined, maybe he could have took that leave of absence he wanted to go to someplace else, right? Maybe. Maybe, maybe his star number could have been yours. Uh-huh. And maybe you could have made a better decision. See, we don't talk about that. That's not the lesson we want to talk about. You want to talk about voting. Really? Voting is important. Don't get me wrong. Voting is important. But no politician is going to go out there and play police. Right? They're not going to do it. Right? As much as they talk, they're not going to go out there and play police. Right? You need to go out there and be a part of the change. I'm just saying. Now, I get it, Mike. Oh, my God, you're so right. And add insult to injury. The black folks that join law enforcement are called coons and sellouts. Don't I know it? I'm not pointing at you, Chanel. <laughs> I'm not pointing at you. OK, but the fact remains, you are absolutely correct about this. You are absolutely correct about this. I can't tell you how many times I've been called an Uncle Tom. I can't tell you how many times I've been called a coon. I can't tell you how many times I've been called different names here and there. And my only job is to do my job. I'm just saying. Now, Marion, you said judge voting is pretty important. Actually, I do agree. And the thing, you know what? Let me tell you about an experience that I had going to a judge forum. So just recently, I went to a judge forum. Uh, and this judge forum was held on the south side of Chicago around, I believe, 101st or 102nd in Halsted. And as you would think, it's in the black community. And it was primarily black judges who were uh, putting out there about their, um, you know, their, their platforms and why you should uh, vote for them. And I was writing down and taking a lot of notes. And I only heard of one judge. And I got to go back to my notes to see if she got elected. But I only heard of one judge, one uh, judge candidate, I think two, who were actually talking about, actually three, who were actually talking about what they were doing to prevent people from being locked up right because that's that's what i'm focusing on you got all this knowledge of the law all this this all this that what are you doing to prevent people from being locked up but the rest of these black judge candidates i can't speak about the white judges i don't know i know i know quite a few okay but i'm talking about the black judges right the rest of them weren't saying anything about being locked up the rest of them were saying how you would want them to be the one that you are in front of in the event you get locked up, which furthermore says to me that the criminal justice system here. Here we go. One thrives on victims and two thrives on you screwing up. Jeff Cameron, and I agree. Abide by the law. Simple Jeff. I guarantee you you've broken the law somewhere in your life. I guarantee, I guarantee if you look at all the laws on the books, you've broken the law somewhere where you could be arrested, right? So if abiding by the law was simple, here we go, Jeff, you're not going to like what I'm about to say. Um, due to the graphic nature of what I'm about to say, listener discretion is advised. Are you ready? Abide by the law, simple, okay? When young parishioners in a certain church, if you will, continue to be sexually assaulted and there is nothing done about said assault. 
that just happens to be occurring to the members of a protected class, if you will, is that abiding by the, the, the law? I had to go there. I'm sorry because you kind of, you know, tweaked it a little bit, right? You, you, you poked and the bear kind of uh, struck back a little bit, right? So I'm just saying, let's, let's do this abide by the law and let's make that fair for all, right? Um, you get it, right? I think we're going to put a little notch on that comment and kind of throw it down there. Right. There we go. Um, I'm just saying, yes, Rob, I get it. He, he said he had a, a racist black judge in, in his case. In my case, yes. In my case, I had to write a motion of substitution for the judge in my case, a black female. Oh, my God. Every man that came in her courtroom, she treated like crap. Oh, chapter 725, Illinois Compiled Statutes, Act 5, Section 114-5. That is the statute. That is the statute right there. Uh-huh. For the motion for the substitution of judges. That's why I'm telling you, you got to know the law. You got to read the law. Okay. I was able to get her substituted for a more fair judge. Need I even say what race she was? White, right? See, if you think that all white folks are racist or all black folks are victims, that's when you find yourself in a pocket of nothing but lies. All of anything is never good or bad. There's a whole lot of good and a whole lot of bad. It just depends on who you are getting. OK, I'm just saying I'm just saying. Right. We look at these judge candidates. We look at these judge candidates. Voting is important, like Miriam said, but. Also knowing their platform is important too. It is important too. And I hate to say it, but there has to be a reason. There has to be a reason why we don't have a lot of people in the criminal justice system talking about avoiding becoming a Laquan McDonald. I'm not saying the, the, the negligent aspect of him. Right. But that's an important conversation, too. Right. About paying attention to your family members, about trying extremely hard to steer the troubled ones into the right path. And if they don't and then they get into trouble, don't come on here and act like he was a saint. I don't believe anybody said he was a saint. But what I'm saying is this. Don't come on here acting like he was a saint. The fact of the matter is this. Laquan McDonald could have avoided the situation that Laquan found himself in. We don't talk about choice. We don't talk about how he had the choice to take the PCP and he made the choice to take the PCP. Now, I'm not going to say that the officers knew that when they encountered him because you don't always know that. That was information they learned in the toxicology, which was subsequent to the shooting, which occurred after the autopsy was done. Right. But what I'm saying is this. There were choices that he made prior to Jason Van Dyke even being uh, arriving on the scene. And that is not what's at focus here. We can talk about bad politicians. We can talk about bad judges. We can talk about the judge that let the three cops off in terms of the conspiracy. We can talk about that all day. But the, all this, all this stems from choices, choices, choices that we make. 
Examine yourself right now. Don't put your business on Facebook, but examine yourself right now if you're watching or you're listening to me on the podcast. Examine yourself. What have you done in your life that God has spared you from or whomever you believe in? What bad choices have you made that you have since corrected in your life? What choices have you made that had it been a different situation, you too could have been like a Laquan or like any other person that was shot by the police? No, I don't think the sentencing was fair. No, I don't. But I understand it according to the law. There's a difference. What I think emotionally is one thing. What the law says is another thing. Do I understand the legal components of him being sentenced that way? Yes, I do. Do I understand the system? Yes, I do. Do I understand that I think it's unfair? Yes, I do. But I have to look at good, bad, right, wrong, fair, unfair, all of those are after action judgments that take place after an action, which means that an action must take place. And what precedes an action? A choice. So you have a choice. Then you have the action. Then you have the after action, right? We can call it cause and effect. Some people suffer from accidentalism. Look it up. That's the theory. That people, that some people hold, that events don't have causes. That events don't have causes. Yeah, that's the event. But what was the cause of the event? Well, the cause of the event was that you got this racist cop, Jason Van Dyke, with hatred towards black folks that just came out and saw Laquan as a person, a black person he could kill. And he just can't. Okay, that's your opinion. You're entitled to it. But... What were the actions that preceded the call for the police? What were the actions that preceded Van Dyke's arrival on scene? You can't just blame Jason Van Dyke. We can, but you can't just blame him alone, right? You got to look at the Chicago Police Department. Somebody tag Eddie Johnson in this. That's right, sir. I hope you're watching. You're probably not. You got busier things to do for who is Mike Brown, right? Who is this black guy? But I got to hold the Chicago Police Department responsible, right? Come on now. Third largest city in the United States. World class city. Third or the second largest police department in the United States of America, right? Right underneath New York and Los Angeles, I guess. And you all don't have the money for beanbag shotguns? All these instructors that you got out here and you don't have any instructors to train you guys in that. What's one more tool that's going to help you not use your firearm? I'm not saying using a firearm is bad or good, right? I'm a firearms instructor, but why not one more tool? Why not? Why is it always that the tragedy brings about the change? What's going on, Fatima? Why is it always that the tragedy brings about the change? You didn't get uh, body cams until Laquan. You had one taser per beat, maybe per two beats. Why did the other doggone units on the scene have to call for a taser car? What the hell is a taser car? And then 
If you think about the training of the officers on scene, they obviously must not have been trained on the taser because if they were trained on the taser, they would have never called for a taser car because of the optimal distance that the XP26 cartridge is designed to perform within, which is 7 to 15 feet. It violate, uh, violates the 21 foot rule, which would have meant that the taser would have been a bad option. So why would you have called for a taser car? See, we're enacting legislation right now in the state of Illinois. What did they just enact? Gun, gun, not gun makers, but gun dealers now have to get licensed by the Illinois State Police. And that's another podcast I'm going to do later. I'm going to talk about that. Gun dealers have to get licensed by the Illinois State Police. Thank you, Governor Pritzker. Four day, they, oh my God, they sung the praises. Put them up on high. Four days in, you sign common sense legislation that is going to stop gun violence. No, it won't, right? Here we go. Common sense gun legislation that apparently someone couldn't do in four years that someone was able to do in four days. Not my words, Rahm Emanuel's words, right? Okay? But wait a minute. Where is the legislation that mandates common sense continual annual training how do you how do you get guns off the streets but not give cops the extra tools they need to do the job how do you not recognize that the police training act needs more tweaking because some of these cops are great at what they do. There's the Pareto Principle. Those of you all who understand the Pareto Principle, look it up. There's the 80-20, and within that 20, there's the 15-5. 80% of anybody in any profession is just marginal. They're hanging on. They're doing an okay job. Under the radar, it's all good, right? Then there's the 20%, right? And then your 15 are your tier folks, the people that are really doing a great job. And then there's your 5%, your top tier, your SWAT, your Navy SEALs, your MARSOC, your Rangers, your Airborne, those, those folks, right? There we go. It's the 15-5 that's really holding on to the rest of the 80, right? So why don't you recognize that? You don't have to say, well, we recognize that. And I understand politics. I understand you don't want to admit fault publicly because it makes you look bad, opens you up to lawsuits, all that stuff, right? So why don't we just enact legislation within the police, within the uh, Police Training Act, Chapter 50, Illinois Compiled Statutes, right? Why don't we enact that? That talks about mandatory discipline backed right? It's got to be black, uh, backed by discipline, mandatory discipline-backed training for law enforcement beyond the academy. Why are you leaving it to the law enforcement agencies to decide whether or not they need training? You can't become a police officer unless you're certified by the Illinois Law Enforcement Training Standards Board by one of its authorized academies. So why don't you mandate continuous yearly training? I don't get it. Somebody help me understand it. I don't get it. We're easy to talk about HR 218, Law Enforcement Officer Safety Act, where you can carry all across the 50 states, right? Where's the Law Enforcement National Training Act? Where is that? Where is that? I don't know. Maybe if we enact that, 
maybe that would imply some some measure of guilt that the government is not ready to take on yet. Well, how do you expect to bridge that gap that exists between the community and law enforcement? Oh, wait a minute. There's no gap in my community, right? I live in X community. I live in this community, right? And we have a great relationship with our police department. So you live in a bad community and you got a bad relate. We don't care about that. We don't care about that. Or do you? Maybe that would be a good thing to talk to about these, you know, mayoral candidates, these aldermanic candidates, right? I don't know. Well, I've talked about a lot today. I've spent about 39 minutes and 34 seconds on Facebook. So throw some comments up there. Okay. Throw some questions up there. I'll answer them. Okay. Um, yeah. Throw some comments up there. You said, uh, Stephen White said, take the politics out of it by making it federal. Like accountants have to do a certain amount of continuing education to maintain their certification. Absolutely. Not only just accountants. You've got lawyers. You've got doctors. You've got other professions that have continuing education that they have to do by law. They have to do by law, be it administrative law, case law, statutory law. They got to do it. Even private policy, private company policy. Some states have mandatory continuous training after the academy. Why don't we? Why don't we? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Only what's required by state and local law. Some individual apartments have their own procedures uh, that they mandate. He's absolutely correct. Uh, you said you thought that officers were to retrain anyway every year. Yeah. You know, the only thing that you're required to do by law and somebody check me if I'm wrong. Okay. Somebody check me. The only thing you're required to do every year by law is firearms training. You're only required to requalify every year. That's it. Other than that, the rest is a toss up. Okay. So does Van Dyke get to choose where he's going? No, that choice isn't made by him. That choice is made by the Department of Corrections. There's a threat assessment and a whole bunch of other assessments that's typically done at intake. Uh, where they make the assessment, you've got uh, NRC, which is Northern uh, Re Northern Reclassification or Northern Cla yeah I'm sorry, not Northern Reclassification, Northern Reception Center, which is Stateville, I believe it's still Stateville, and then from Stateville, uh, which is a Level One Maximum Security uh, Facility. Uh, then they do the classification. I don't know if he's going to go to Stateville, though, because now you've got uh, protective custody issues, you know, and yeah, there's major protective custody issues there. So I don't think he's going to go to Stateville. If he does, he's probably going to have to be segregated in one of the houses that's not being used. I don't know if that's the case or not. Uh, it's been a minute since I've known anything about Stateville like that. Uh, but I know he's going to have to go and be classified. And then from there, he's going to have to be moved someplace. My guess would be on his own bus. Uh, with a protective detail, I, I, I could see that happening to a place where uh, he is less likely to be harmed because uh, what you don't understand is that the state uh, is responsible for his protection. Uh, so, yeah, he will definitely be in protective custody. I don't see him not being in protective custody. He will be in protective custody. He will not be in Gen Pop. He, he, he's not going to be in that. He's not going to be in Gen Pop. I don't see that happening at all. If, if he does, that's a suicide mission waiting. That's that's for sure. That's an issue. Uh, you said you have to take 40 to 60 hours of computer-based training every year. Why do our sheriffs and police 
not have that as well. Sad state of affairs. I agree, Kevin. I agree. Uh, nothing to correct, Gilda. It's all good. Uh, ISP. Now, Illinois State Police is different. Illinois State Police is totally different. I did an internship with them. They're totally different. I love that agency. I really do. Uh, very, very disciplined. Very disciplined. I love it. Uh, Illinois State Police has mandatory annual training. Many agencies require personnel to have 40 hours of training, but may not mandate the type of training. Now, you know what? There is another type of training that is typically department specific, and that is like in-service training where you got to go and sit in and listen to an instructor that is either good or uh, whatever. And then they go. <laughs> you all know if you've been through in-service, blah, 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 blah. And the sheriff said you got to do blah, 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 blah. And it's basically a head nod type of thing. You got you you can't do that. You have to understand Graham versus Connor, Tennessee versus Gardner, and Moran versus Arizona. And you got it. You got it. Yep. Shake your head. All right. Got a hand side right there. Get back on the street. All right now. Carry on. Hey, stay safe. Stay alert. Stay alive. All right now. And that's the in-service training. That's probably the extent of it. You know, whether or not there's a test, if you understood the material, is it discipline backed? Maybe if you don't come to in-service training, you might have an issue. But as long as you typically show up, do the head nod, you're not sick, you're not falling asleep, that's in-service training. And there's an expectation that you learned it because you're flying under the radar, you're not a bad guy, you're cool, and we got other more pressing issues we got to focus on than whether or not you're training. You know, you're getting your training as long as your name is on the list. We can say you were there, you were there with 50 other people. They can say they saw you, you see them, see you. There it is, in service, get out of here, go be great. That is horrible in-service training, horrible. But that's what happens in some departments. I hate to say it, uh, facts. So that was that. So if you came on late, okay, just, yeah, I know, that's it. Yeah, if you came on late, uh, just go back, review this podcast or review this live, okay? Uh, you can always, uh, those of you all who are watching, you can always go to your favorite podcast. It could be at, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, I believe it's Overcast or some other type of thing. Just look up On The Mic with Mike, okay? Join, uh, subscribe to that podcast so you can listen to this. Um, you know, it's free. F-R-E-E. I got a couple of other podcasts that I'm going to do. One of them has everything to do with the Illinois State Police Firearms Services uh, Bureau, the uh, Concealed Carry License Renewal. The Concealed Carry License Renewal. There's some stuff about that you need to know. Okay. Um, there's also stuff if, if you want to know about uh, concealed carry licenses, if you haven't had it before, FOID card, you can go there and learn about it. It's on the mic with Mike. Uh, and there we go. Okay, there we go. So uh, any questions, comments, concerns, just go on ahead and put them in the, uh, you can send them to my email, mike at chicagosecuritytrainingconcepts.com, uh, or just look up Mike Brown's class, whatever the case may be. Follow me on Facebook at Mike Brown or uh, Instructor Mike, and we will talk later. Let's look at choices. Let's look at choices. We got to start looking at making better choices from the way we dress to the way we act, Okay. From the way we dress. I only got one podcast. It's On The Mic with Mike. Uh, on The Mic, M-I-C, with Mike. M-I-K-E and the exclamation point. As soon, I think if you Google it, you might see my picture on there. You might see it come up. If you go to your Apple podcast, uh, you'll see it there. On The Mic with Mike. Just search it up. Uh, Google podcast as well. These are just the platforms of the podcast. But if you just look up On The Mic with Mike, you'll see the podcast come up, okay? I've got this and a few other topics that I've talked about, and I'm adding podcasts to it almost every day. I think like last week, I think I did like maybe 
four or five podcast episodes. Uh, so just go on ahead and subscribe to that. Uh, other than that, you all take care. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe out there. Please do not drink and drive. You see a cop, pull the hell over on the other side. On the other side. On the other side. Get out of the way. Uh, Illinois, we just lost a state trooper. Uh, God rest his soul. He was out there and he got hit by a, a vehicle. And so you got to move out the way. Move out the way. All right. Take care, guys. Be safe.